Today's scripture comes from the book of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Please follow along in your Bibles on the screen above. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to New Mercy here in Palisades Park. Um, Before we get into the sermon, uh, just want to make one more announcement. We had membership class last week, uh, and we had a a couple uh, people take it. If we can just uh, throw up that slide. Uh, That's Andrew and Tongi. They they were married a year ago, and uh, they officially became members. So welcome. Let's give them a round of applause. Uh, we'll have membership class again sometime early in the new year, so if you missed it, please uh, do sign up for it when we start announcing it. So, uh, you know, my sermon manuscripts are usually about 16 pages long. Uh, today's eight and a half, in case you're panicking. Uh, um, so, you know, I, I knew things would be a little bit longer today, so I tried to abbreviate it. Uh, but, you know, let me start by saying, you know, I hope all of you guys had a, a wonderful Christmas uh, day or, or week. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the Saturday Night Live uh, video going around, one with Matt Damon, right? He's at the end of the Christmas day. He's reminiscing about how, how wonderful it was, but in reality, it was a terror, right? It was like a horrible uh, day. Uh, if your Christmas was anything like that, my heart goes out to you. I've had many Christmases like that, but praise the Lord, this one wasn't one of them. Uh, my kids are, are a little bit older now, uh, so they, they didn't want to open their gifts until after breakfast, which is, like, amazing. Like, definitely answered prayer. Uh, usually it's, like, 4.30 in the morning when you wake, they wake you up, and it really is amazing because I remember even when I was in college, I was still <laughs> waking up early uh, to open my gifts. But anyway, regardless of how it was, uh, I do pray that the wonder of the season wasn't lost on you. I mean, it really... Right? If you think about it, it really is an amazing thing that we have a God who became one of us. I mean, literally, that event, if you look backwards in time, it changed the course of human history. And the fact that you're here today shows me that it has had a concrete impact in your life as well. Whether you appreciate it or not, it has affected you. That's why you're sitting here in, in the seats today t- hearing about Jesus. Uh, and that actually leads me to what I want to talk about uh, today. So today is the uh, last Sunday of, of 2018. Uh, I still, uh, yeah, last Sunday of 2018, I still can't believe it, <laughs> uh, but it's here. Every year it seems to be going faster and faster. Um, well, what I want to do today is uh, I want us to take some time to look back over the year and take stock, right? Look back over the year uh, and take stock. And uh, we're going to do that in a concrete way after the sermon. But before we take stock Um, of this past year together, uh, I want to talk about how the Bible says Christians are supposed to do that. The Bible 
actually has a lot to say about that, how we're supposed to review and, and process our past. It's not just some empty ritual that we're supposed to do at the end of the year. No, in the Bible, looking over your past is a very serious and a very important aspect of a life lived well. And if you read the Bible, what you find is that it actually outlines for us a healthy way to review our past. And if you follow that outline, when you take stock of 2018 or any other part of your life, what you're going to find is that the exercise of reviewing your past, when you do it right, it will actually do something remarkable in your life. It will actually form you as a person. As a Christian, what you're going to find is that looking at your past properly, that is one of the most powerful things you can do to build your faith and your character. Reviewing your past rightly will actually set you up to face the future better. But unfortunately, uh, there are also unhealthy ways to look at your past. And often what you'll find is that if you're not careful about how you process your past, things like bitterness or pride or any number of unhealthy things will start to take root. And when, when those things take root, they diminish your faith in your character. And I would say they would also diminish your joy rather than build it. Okay? So how we review our past is clearly important. Today, uh, I just want to cover one aspect of the biblical approach to reviewing our past. And I think it will help us uh, as we look back on this past year, 2018. So, you know, when you look at today's story, what do you notice? Well, of the 10 people who were healed from leprosy, only one comes back to thank Jesus. Why? I mean, they all received the same exact thing, right? The one person who came back, he did not receive anything more, okay? They all got the same thing. So why this difference? Why is this man, this one person, so much more grateful that it spills over into his actions. He literally makes the whole trek back to Jesus to express his thanks. Now, there, you know, there are various possibilities why the nine, other nine, people, nine, nine men didn't return. But from the various commentators that I read, I read a bunch of commentators uh, on this passage. From the various commentators I read, they say the text focuses on just one reason that makes the difference. The reason why this man comes back to express uh, so much more gratitude is because he sees something that the other men did not see. Okay? He sees something that the other men did not see. Verse 15 says, One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. Now, this is not to say that the other nine men didn't physically see that they were healed. Okay? They all saw that they were healed. It would have been very hard to miss. They all saw what happened to them. They all saw what happened to them. But only only one of them saw what it meant. Only one of them saw what it meant. Uh, New Testament scholar uh, Alan Culpepper, he comments on today's text. This is what he says. Next slide. He says, seeing means more than just physical sight. It means recognition that God's mercy has touched one's life. See, there's physically seeing, and, but then there's seeing what it means, right? The man who came back praising God, he made a connection that the other men missed. He saw in his healing the very hand of God working in his life. See, the other men saw their healing, but they didn't make the connection to God. They didn't praise God. They received the benefit, 
but they didn't comprehend the full weight of what was going on, that the living God himself personally went out of his way to touch them and heal him. That is what this one man saw, and it made all the difference. It literally changed his life. So, brothers and sisters, when reviewing this past year, my question to you is, do you recognize the hand of God working in your life like this man did? Do you see, do you recognize the hand of God working in your life like this man did? Now, someone says, oh, but Pastor Key, you know, I don't see anything special like this happening in my life this past year, let alone any of the other years. At least these men with leprosy got healed. Nothing even remotely like that has happened in my life. You know, what 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 has God been doing in my life? I don't see anything, right? Somebody might be saying that. Well, the reason you don't see anything is because you're not seeing correctly. See, God has, has been working in your life, but the reason you don't see it is because you haven't been thinking. You know, the, the ten men who were healed, they all saw the same thing. They all saw that someone said they're going to be healed, and they were healed. But only one of them was able to see behind the healing to the hand of God. And the reason he was able to see the hand of God behind the healing was because what? Because he thought about it. See, that's the only way he could have made the connection to God. When he saw that he was healed, to make that connection to God, he had to have asked himself, wait, how did this happen? And when he did that, that's when he was able to discern the hand of God. This man was able to see God's hand because he thought about it, because he reasoned it out. And the same applies to us. If you look in your life and you're like, there's nothing special going on, right? If that's what you conclude about your life, you are not thinking like a Christian who believes, I mean, let's reason it out together, right? Let's reason this out together. If God indeed is the one responsible for the universe and all that is in it, all of creation, that means our ordinary lives are not ordinary because God's hand, God's hand is behind our lives. We are here because of His act. What you call ordinary, God created that. With his power. And on top of that, he lost his life to redeem. That which God cares about this intimately, he does that because it's special to him. So nothing is ordinary. Nothing is ordinary. And it takes thinking to realize this. And if you're thinking rightly, you will see rightly. And you will see that all of life is suddenly shot through with wonder. You know, the fact that you can breathe, right, the fact that you can feel, the fact that you can think and communicate and have consciousness, that is mind-boggling stuff. Scientists still don't understand how consciousness works. And when you, when you think and when you communicate, you know the human brain is the most complex object in the known universe, right? When you, when, when you try to communicate, you know what that requires? 
The coordination, the firing of the synapses, then the coordination of the mouth to make these sounds. And as you're saying, you know, saying these things, you're communicating, you're trying to anticipate how people are feeling. The amount of processing that it requires to even just say a word is unbelievably complicated. Mind-boggling stuff. It's amazing. And that's not even considering the fact that each of the neurons are, are, are these cells. And have you ever looked inside a cell? Well, probably not because you can't. You don't have the, the tools, right? But if you look inside a cell, it's filled with complicated machinery that's doing translating. Then there's a DNA language that's you know, it's just insane. Okay, I'm geeking out a little bit. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's really pretty amazing if you think about life. The fact that you have relationships and this community that you know the living God, that's all mind-bending stuff, all of which is utterly miraculous. So taken from that angle, no, no matter how plain this year may have seemed, 2018 was not just an ordinary year. It was an extraordinary year. Do you see that? So Albert Schweitzer He's a, the great 20th century humanitarian physician, theologian, and Nobel Peace Prize winner, right? Great resume. Um, he called gratitude, quote, the secret to life. Okay? And the Apostle Paul says something very similar in his letters to the Philippians. At the end of that letter to the Philippians, he says this. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He has learned the secret of being content in whatever the situation. Now, what is that secret? Well, he tells us in the verses right before. Can we throw the next slide up there? Right before he says that, in the end of the letter, he says these verses. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he continues, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The secret to a life of contentment and peace is thinking about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, thinking about those things and letting that lead you to thanksgiving and rejoicing, that's the secret. And when he says, you know, whatever is noble, he's really saying that. He's not just saying whatever in Christianity is noble. He's saying all of the universe, all the world is filled with God's beauty. And if you can see those things and rejoice and give thanks to him, that's the secret to contentment in life. If you look back in 2018 and you do this, you look over the year, you do this, and you're like, hey, what was beautiful? What was, you know, admirable? What was praiseworthy? Right? And all these things, if you do that, you're going to begin to see things. Okay? And if you praise him and give him thanksgiving for those things, you're going to find gratitude and faith growing in your heart rather than bitterness and disillusionment. Now, Paul's advice here is not to look 
at the past with rose-tinted glasses. A lot of people accuse Paul, he's telling you to look at the past with rose-tinted glasses. That's not his advice here. Remember, Paul is saying, give thanks and rejoice always to a church that has been persecuted, that had experienced real suffering. If anyone had a reason to be bitter and not rejoice or give thanks, it was them. But Paul tells them, still, give thanks. Yes, pray against the hardship, pray for healing, pray for difficult things. But in the midst of all of that, think, look for God's hand, and you will see it. And when you do, give thanks. And here's the thing. If you do what Paul teaches here, it will grow your faith in the midst of hardship. And it will help you to face that hardship with even more power than before. See, Paul is not teaching people to live in denial here, to look at life through rose-tinted glasses. He's saying you must look at life through God-tinted glasses. And if you do, if you look carefully for the hand of God in your life, you will see it. And it will power you to persevere, and it will power your faith. And the peace of God will reign in your hearts. So, what's the healthy biblical way to review this past year? The healthy biblical way is to look for God's hand and to give thanks for where you see it, okay? That's the way to review your past, okay? Disciplined gratitude to God is the key to appropriating the past in a healthy, faith-forming way. And I say disciplines because, believe it or not, that's what gratitude requires, See, the mistake that we often make when we think about gratitude is that we, we think of it as an emotion that just kind of happens to us out of the blue. That's why sometimes we don't get what Paul is saying when he says to rejoice and give thanks always. How can we possibly give thanks when that's the last thing we're feeling, right? That's what we say. See, we believe joy and gratitude are involuntary feelings. We can't just conjure them up. Now, yes, gratitude is a feeling that we can have, and that's actually a very important part of it, but gratitude is much more. Okay, what Paul is saying and what modern social scientists have confirmed is that gratitude must be cultivated, and it is something that we can actually choose and discipline ourselves to do. God has, in fact, given us the ability to choose to be grateful in all circumstances, and we see this clearly in Paul's life, which was filled with hardship, yet you see him constantly rejoicing and giving thanks. Now, in order for us to see how gratitude can be cultivated and chosen, we have to understand the anatomy of gratitude, and let me just do this for you real quickly. Okay, what is the anatomy of gratitude? Well, gratitude actually has three parts. The first part is recognizing, right? You have to notice something intellectually in order to be grateful for it, right? The second part is acknowledging. After you notice it, you have to acknowledge it willingly as something that should elicit gratitude from you. And then the third part is appreciating, okay? After you notice it and after you acknowledge it, you appreciate it with your emotions, Okay? Only when you have all three, the recognizing, the acknowledgement, and the appreciation, do you have gratitude. I would actually add a fourth step, the expression of gratitude. What a lot of research has found is that the experience of gratitude is not truly complete until it is expressed. And you've probably experienced that in your life. You feel so grateful, but if you just kind of bottle it up, you don't 
you know, it's not fully experienced, but after you express it, then you feel another dimension of gratitude that you didn't feel before. Now, how does this help us? It helps us because step one shows us that gratitude is not just something that happens to us. Trying to recognize things for which we should be grateful is actually largely under our control. The French phrase, and I'm not going to say it properly, so I'm just going to say it like an English person or like an American would say, uh, je suis reconnaissant, okay, forgive me, uh, which, that, that French phrase means I am grateful, okay, and that really gets at this dimension of gratitude. See, the etymology of that phrase reminds us that gratitude requires us to do reconnaissance, We have to inspect our lives to gather information and to look for things for which we should be grateful and to whom we should show that gratitude. That's reconnaissance. Psychologist and researcher Robert Emmons, he writes this. Next slide. He writes, the words recognition and acknowledgement suggest that gratitude or thankfulness is an effortful state to create and maintain. It is not for the intellectually lethargic. Thanking belongs to the realm of thinking. Prominent existential philosopher uh, Martin Heidegger was fond of saying, thinking is thanking. We cannot be grateful without being thoughtful. We cannot shift our mental gears into neutral and maintain a graceful lifestyle. This is why gratitude requires contemplation and reflection. Basically, like I said before, gratitude requires discipline. If you want to see gratitude increase in your life, it's, it's not just going to happen. You have to cultivate it. You know, I've noticed in my life, unless I put deliberate conscious effort into doing the reconnaissance, gratitude just doesn't happen. I just live life. And it just passes by like this wind. And I can barely recall what happened the day before. And this makes the experience of life very thin. But when I take the time to look and to savor and to show gratitude for the things that I see in my life, life actually becomes vastly more full and vastly more rich. So I I try to do this as much as I can. So when I read some beautiful writing or a book, I, I kind of savor that. I'm like, man, this is really beautiful. I, I try to express gratitude. If I taste a great wine, you know, my, my sister, she's always into wine. She's always helping me try new wines. And when I taste a good one, I just really try to savor that. It just makes the experience that much better. Or my friendships. You know, as you get older, I don't know if you saw that thing. Uh, Jesus' miracle, one of Jesus' miracles is that he had 12 grown men who were friends in his 30s, right? Uh, you know, when you get older, friends are hard to come by. You know, mostly everybody just becomes acquaintances. So when I see friends that are real friends to me, you know, I, I give gratitude for that. And, 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 and it fills my heart. When I see great worship, this is why I'm always talking about worship on, on my social media. Because I'm like, man, this is amazing. And, and it fills my heart. Or when I come across semi-decent pho, right? In this area, pho is terrible, right? But recently, pho today opened. I'm like, oh, it's not bad. Okay, semi-decent is good for this area. And so, you know, I praise God for that. Or if I taste White Castle, you know, usually I hate White Castle, but there's this jalapeno cheese one that I tried maybe a few weeks ago, and it was amazing. And I praise the Lord for that. And it made life fuller. Okay, getting off track. Let's go back to the man from today's story, okay? What do we see now when we look at this man? 
what we see is all the elements of gratitude functioning in his life, right? He recognized what happened to him. He acknowledged its source, and this brought appreciation and then expression. When Paul writes in Philippians, when he writes, in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He's saying in every situation that you find yourself in, as you're praying and seeking his guidance and his help, while you're doing that, you must search for things to give thanks for. The accent, the emphasis of this verse is thanksgiving. Everything else hinges around you doing that action. Now, Paul is not saying make things up. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is you need to open your eyes. You need to open your eyes to see what's already there. You have to do the reconnaissance. What have you forgotten? What have you gotten used to in your life? What have you taken for granted? Remember, the first step in gratitude is recognition. But brothers and sisters, let's not make the mistake that thinking of, of, of thinking that recognition is just blandly scanning your life for things to be thankful for. That's not the type of reconnaissance that Paul is talking about here. He's actually telling you to do much more than just look. Robert Emmons, he says it well. Next slide. He says, recognition is a quality that per- permits gratitude to be transformational. To recognize, right, is to cognize, to think differently about something from the way we have thought about it before. You see that? Gradually, you emerge from the darkness with a new perception. Adversity was transformed into opportunity. Sorrow was transformed into gratefulness. You recognize the event. Pastor Jen, just now, recognized all of that suffering. And became something that she now can give thanks for, which is amazing. And actually, Robert M. Emmons, he, he, he goes on to say, you know, as he's talking about this, he says that recognizing changes ordinary mundane things in our eyes. Like seeing that, that you know, that sun or the sunrise as you're driving out to New York City. Right? You can recognize that and be, man, that is a beautiful thing. And I can celebrate that. Recognizing can transform ordinary things into things that can elicit profound gratitude and awe. That's what Paul is telling the Philippians and us to do. Look at your situation, recognize it, and search for God's hand in all of it, and you will see it there. See, as much as what I've been saying to you about looking for gratitude in your life, as much as that sounds like a technique, right, it's more just coming to realize what you already have in him. It's not really anything new that you have to do. It's, just, it's really just a matter of coming to your senses and opening your eyes to see what's already there. Gratitude, at the end of the day, is just really wanting what you already have in God. To close, I want to look at one last part of today's text. Um, if you notice... When the uh, man comes back glorifying God after being healed, what does Jesus say to him? Jesus says to him, your faith has made you well. Now, this statement is kind of intriguing because this man is not the only one who was healed. All ten were healed, yet Jesus singles out this man and commends his faith. Does that mean that the other men did not have faith? If that's true, how were they healed, right? You read in the Bible, oftentimes fail, I mean, a faith is connected to healing. 
If the other man did not have faith, how were they healed? Well, what's going on is this. Biblically, you can actually receive things from God, whether it be the air that you're breathing or a, or a miraculous healing, without faith. In the Old Testament, there are many times when the Israelites, right, they're grumbling and they lack faith. Yet God provides for them miraculously on a number of occasions. What Jesus is highlighting here is that receiving doesn't always require faith, but gratitude to God does. There is actually a faith dimension to gratitude. See, the man from today's story, he believes God is behind his healing, and he acts on this belief by going back to Jesus and thanking him. What is that? What is that? It's faith. Daryl Bach, a New Testament scholar, he says this, uh, one can experience God's grace in terms of general mercy and still not benefit fully from it because the response never moves beyond reception of kindness to the exercise of faith. Now, why is this important? Why is the faith dimension to gratitude important? It's important because God's point in providing all these things for you is to draw you into relationship with himself. Faith is about relationship. Gratitude is about relationship. God doesn't create this world, this universe, just to show off. He doesn't give you things to sustain your life simply so you can breathe and die. He doesn't help people miraculously and resurrect himself from the dead just, just to boost his ego. And he didn't come to die on the cross because he's some kind of masochist. He does all of, the, all of those things so that you would respond in faith. So that you would start walking with him in your life. Everything God does is to build relationship with you. Gratitude is the faith expression that you get that. You get that God loves you. You get that God's grace is for you. You get that God's hand is behind your life. Let's look at the man one last time. R. Ellen Culpepper, the New Testament scholar I quoted before, he says this. He says, in this case, the man's faith was not expressed by his request but, uh, for help, but by his gratitude and praise of God. The other nine had been healed, but only this one received Jesus' declaration of salvation. They got what they wanted, but this one received more than he had dreamed of asking for. What did he receive? He received a relationship with Jesus. His gratitude was an expression of his faith that he sees God's hand behind his life. And Jesus grabs the man's hand and says, you get it. I am the one behind this, and I am here for you. In the Christian life, what the expression of gratitude through faith does is it reestablishes relationship with God. You see God's hand behind your life. And gratitude is you connecting with that hand. Gratitude is you, you is your faith grabbing onto that hand and saying, thank you. That's relationship. Now, if you had a genuinely difficult year uh, filled with crushing hardship, um, is it not okay to express that to God? Of course it's okay. Okay, Jesus, if you read Jesus, he was the most joy-filled, grateful person to have walked this planet. But he made it abundantly clear to the Father 
when it was hard for him, when he needed relief and help. And so did Paul. So did all the Christians in the New Testament. In fact, it's because, think about this, it's because Jesus was so filled with gratitude that he was able to express his struggles in a healthy, honest way. Because he had, he had established a relationship of gratitude, he trusted the one to which he was sharing his struggles. He could be full out honest about what he was going through because he had established a relationship of gratitude that led to trust. So if you had a hard year, it's okay to share that with God. I'm not trying to say, oh, yeah, let's just look at nice things. No, if you had a hard year, I, I, I get it. But as Paul teaches, if you express your hardship to God in tandem with giving thanks to him, even through your tears and pain and shouting and falling apart, which I've done all throughout my Christian life, even through that, if you're giving thanks to him, you're connecting with God. And that faith, no matter, no matter how frail it seems, it will make a difference in your life. There, there have been periods in my life where my faith, my faith seemed so frail that I thought it was going to break. Right? But I hung on, and it was the only thing that got me through. Okay, so, so even giving thanks for that frail faith can empower your life. And I look back, and that's the thing that got me through those times. Okay, if we can actually just, we're going to go into a period of, of prayer. Um, the first thing I would like, if we can have the praise team come up. The first thing I would like us to do is, uh, like I said at the beginning of the sermon, I would like you guys to recognize this past year. Okay, I want you to do some reconnaissance. Okay, and I want you to give thanks to God for that. Okay, God isn't some, he doesn't need an ego boost or anything like that. A lot of, the, the expression of gratitude is actually uh, more for us, and it fills our heart, and it gives us more benefit than we realize. Okay, so if we can uh, close our eyes, if we can bow our heads, and there's two topics I want us to pray about. The first one is this. Let's just spend a couple minutes doing this. Think about your past year. Okay, just kind of let your mind wander into the past year, and whatever comes up, uh, whether it's a hardship or not, Okay, if it's a good thing, praise him. If it's a hard, hard thing, try to ask God, hey, help me to recognize this and give you thanks even for this. Okay, so let's spend a couple minutes doing that. Uh, and the praise team will, will uh, be praying, uh, playing for us in the background. And then after we spend a couple minutes doing that, I'm going to go into just one more prayer topic. Okay, so let's pray.